What's up, everybody? Welcome to Building Our Power. This is Gabby, back with another episode, part 10, Blood in My Eye by George Jackson. If you would like to hit us up, all the information is in the description. If you'd like to join us in Memphis as we continue to do the work and educate, you can do so. Link is in the description. If you'd like to donate to what we're doing on our Patreon, you can do so. All that is in the description. All right, let's get into it. We are on page 74, towards the bottom. Um... And we're going to get started. It says, in people's war, urban style, each political move towards organizing people around their realistic needs will be will support a corresponding military move. This unity of politics and war will increase the overall revolutionary consciousness by degrees to a point where mass consciousness can be said to exist. The Black Panther Party is the largest and most powerful political force existing outside establishment politics. It draws its power from the people. It is the people's natural political vanguard. Now, let us assume the existence of a small, tightly knit, total committed and separate military vanguard such as Jonathan Jackson attempted to build. Jonathan was my brother and closest comrade. I knew him. He was the real super nigger. He worked at it hard. He took complete control of himself. He learned every weapon in the human arsenal from the flying side thrust foot attack and the quick draw snapshot to the manufacture and use of the mortar. He knew 6,000 ways to kill a man, 30 with the simple stroke of an empty hand or foot. He was 17 years old when he died in the service of his people on the side of the black colonies and with the courage of the white, whole colonized world. Let's assume where Jonathan is concerned that, quote, our battle cry reaches some receptive ear and another hand reaches down to take up our weapon, unquote. We have two perfectly harmonious fists, the left, quote, front ram, unquote, of the Black Panther's political thrust and the left, quote, back ram, unquote, of the August 7th movement. Let's further assume that this nation is one huge city that we can call by its rightful updated name, Johannesburg. This clarifies the understanding of the urban people's war. The concept of the true internationalism and the connections, interactions, process, and effects of a people at war under the leadership of a vanguard which wields a double-edged sword against an isolated enemy element. All the cities of this country can be treated as one interconnecting entity due to the necessity of exchange and interactions caused by specialization. We can now deal with them as a singular entity because of the national character of the vanguard party and the revolutionary consciousness within the inner black colony. All Anglo-Western cities are generally the same when they are reduced to the critical features that support them. I could be talking about London, New York, Chicago, Detroit, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Seattle, Paris, Berlin, or Rome instead of Johannesburg. Mao pictured the USA as a city of the world surrounded, besieged, and slowly strangled to death by a third force under arms. Using Mao's theoretical springboard, I wish to make further comments on the hypothetical super technological city-state and its vulnerability. Any honest expert in the overall strategy and logistics of classic Western mechanized warfare, the war of the industrially based established state, will admit that the scientific guerrilla force must be outnumbered 10 to 1 in manpower by the mechanized force if it is to be contained at all. The establishment army, the defenders of property of the industrial complex, 
armed with the tools and weapons of heavy industry, must field 10 men for just one gorilla. This point is a strong indication of the relative effectiveness of the two fighting styles. Recent reports, March of 1971, coming in from the Indo-Chinese theater, described such debacles as 80 USA 40-ton tanks racing in wild retreat before the guerrillas. Puppet soldiers and USA mercenaries, in their haste to disengage from the people's forces, are lashing themselves to the runners of rescue helicopters. Disaster for the man with the most and best equipment is threatening and imminent. Now is the time for us to fill the streets with our protests, clog the tunnels and back stairs of covert totalitarian government with every weapon at our disposal. The effectiveness of rallies and mass demonstrations has not come to an end. Their purpose has diacritically altered, but the general tactic remains sound. Today, the rally affords us the opportunity to affect intensive organization of the projects and programs that will form the infrastructure of our communes. If the mass rallies close as they have in the past with a few speeches and a pamphlet, we can expect no more result than in the past. Two hours later, the people will be Americans again instead of people. But going among, quote, the people at each gathering with clipboards and pens and painfully ascertaining what each can contribute to clear-cut, carefully defined political projects is the distinction between intensive organization and the sterile stilled attempts to build new unions, rank and file, etc., or elect a socialist legislator. However, as we start the projects that will eventually move the workers and the whole community into open conflict with the ruling clique, my own personal observation lead me to the independent conclusion that the political vanguard and even its early project need to be defended. Clearly, the political cadre needs protection from the enemy's culture's military it's secret police and vigilante death squads. Okay, I just want to hit on that little one thing that he was saying about how um at that time he saw an avenue, he saw the perfect perfect storm for them to hit the streets and for um while people were protesting and you know, doing political action to organize the people and to have clear cut, um, clear cut goals in what they were trying to do, um, and like everything he's saying, we literally had already said that is what differentiates a revolutionary organization versus what he calls, um. Uh, the new unions or rank and file, the 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 status quo, the status quo just wants a hoo rah rah, and then go home, or maybe we can get together and maybe do a little community projects, and that is it, and then elections, elections wants a hoo rah rah to the polls, and then after the voting is done, there's nothing else. There's nothing else in plan. There's nothing else planned. There's nothing else planned for any of those things. And so, yes, just again, restating. It, I feel if this is something that is being stated 
very, very, very often that this is something, obviously, that dude felt was very, very important. And it's something that we should take very, very seriously um, when we're when we're thinking about, you know, how do we want to create this future that we have? We must organize. Must. Okay, so he's talking about the vanguard must be protected. Um, armed struggle is at the very heart of revolution. If the problems of the people cannot be redressed because the necessary resources are in the hands of a relatively few families and individuals, it means we are going to have to seize this property. Seizing property has always meant some form of war, some form of armed struggle. If history is our guide, it is clearly record records that nothing of any great value has ever changed hands without a struggle or at least a show of or threat of violence men simply don't surrender what they think of as their privilege and property except by force history itself is economically motivated class struggle i want to i want to read that one little part now obviously he wasn't just speaking of men in general he was just speaking of humans um aren't going to surrender their power except by force. But I think it is interesting to look at it from the the point of patriarchy. And again, you know, people was talking about and still talking about how can the left reach the these uh, sexist as men? They will not surrender their power with a hug. People in power that 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 are cool with the status quo that want to stay oppressors, they are not going to surrender their power with a flower they the power will have to be taken taken that's not a debate you don't take doing debate you take doing war you take doing armed struggle you take doing violence and again like he said this is for people who do not want to give up power that's the only way you're gonna get it remember remember when people try to make it seem like there are other ways electoralism is not going to happen that's that's not how we're going to get what we're trying to get it has to be via violence there's simply no way back to the reading there's simply no way to compare this society or its historical experience with that of any tiny colonial country like chile Allende is not seizing property his government is buying property until the chilean ruling capitalist class is suppressed the chilean revolution is as meaningless as a swedish experiment Socialist governments which attempt to coexist with capitalist economies completely forget the economic motive of human social history. Revisionism has given birth to countless socialist hermaphrodites, always to the detriment of people's power, strained, tortured definitions of social existence and organization have trapped the people in so many contradictions that most have given up all hope of harnessing the modern industrial state or even understanding it. England before the Tories, or between the Tories, is liberal socialist. Military dictatorships, clearly totalitarian, totalitarian, are ruled by cliques traveling under the designation Revolutionary Council, etc. Back to this. What does it sound like? Social Democrats. Your Bernie Sanders, your AOCs, the ones who think you can have capitalism with higher taxes and therefore you get equality. That don't even make no type of logical sense to nobody who know anything. It cannot be done and be equitable and have no hierarchies and have no oppression and actually be for the people. Mm -mm. 
All right, back to the reading. No argument has any substance if it conflicts with the objective conditions, the clear incontrovertible facts. In our case, these facts can be read from the nation's dailies in the obituary sections. Blacks who seriously advocate revolution are killed. Blacks who attack property relations are slated for the graveyard or the prison camp. It's a national cultural tradition. Since these are the facts, it follows that an oppressed class which does not strive to learn to use arms, to acquire arms, only deserves to be treated like slaves. We cannot forget, unless we become bourgeois, pacifists, or opportunists, that we are living in a class society, and there is no way out of this society, and there can be none, except by the means of the class struggle. In every class society, whether it's based on slavery, serfdom, or as it's at present on wage labor, the oppressing class is armed. The vanguard cannot stay alive long enough to affect the broad consciousness unless it possesses the latent threat of force. They're going to claim that our clothing projects, the people's bazaars, the people's stores, and the decentralized cottage industries are fronts for stolen property. The establishment will claim that the vanguard party is feeding and clothing people with goods stolen from the old enemy culture. They'll claim that we're buying it from the city-state's lumping who steal everything they can sell or that we're ripping it off ourselves. Of course, this will be used to justify an attack upon our political projects, our infrastructure. The assaults will be justified by them in a dozen different ways, whether we establish ourselves in storefronts or in our homes. They will attack us behind the fire ordinance, the sanitation department, the anonymous tip. The establishment's mercenaries will break in shooting and all of us who are not killed will go to jail for violating the fire ordinance, resisting arrest, attempting murder, and receiving stolen property, etc. It's as predictable as nightfall. I'm convinced that any serious organizing of people must carry with it from the start a potential threat of revolutionary violence. Without it, the establishment forces will succeed in isolating the political organizer and closing down his project before the people can feel his benefits. Self-determination requires a small, hidden, highly trained army equipped with the very best and most destructive of military weapons and a bodyguard of counter-terrorists. The Vanguard Party distinguishes itself in the service of the people and superimposes itself over the old culture throughout the city-state. Tactics designed to further the development of revolutionary consciousness must be based upon the prevailing state of class and race antagonisms created out of the new relationship. We can be certain that the nucleus of clandestine army will already exist by then. The government's repressive agencies will also be well infiltrated by blacks and other revolutionary people. Infiltration is the work of the professional revolutionary. Infiltrating the establishment's protective agencies will also tend to neutralize the ruling class's attempts to isolate the black vanguard commune from the larger body of the class structure. All efforts to isolate the vanguard community must be resisted. The black colony must actively invite other revolutionary people to follow their example. We must give refuge to the refugees and eventually work out some means to coordinate our operations with theirs at every level. However, we cannot delay our own preparation toward a united black revolutionary culture. No one will undertake to aid us unless they sense the power of our movement. It is blacks who must play not only the role of liberating the black colony, but also the leading role in the liberation of the whole city-state. 
to expect that someone else will take the full responsibility for our own liberation is suicide. We will be asked to be patient for another 100 to 150 years. We'll get stuck with long theoretical explanations on consciousness or objective conditions when it's clear that consciousness will not grow unless there is someone among us willing to feed it. Mm. Okay, let's, let's talk about this for two seconds. Okay, something else that's really important and that he is talking about is how to the government, one of the worst things you can do is damage some property. Or miss with somebody, miss with somebody some money who has money. Okay, you murder somebody, a, a working class person. We may find you, we may not, but let you bust out some windows. Let you go to that FedEx form, bust out some windows, graffiti something on the walls, go in there and steal some popcorn. Oh, they're gonna send the SWAT team on your ass. Because that's all America is about. This capital. One worker. Yeah. Maybe if there's a mass. A mass killing of workers. Maybe then there'll be some. Some pep in their step. But no. America only protects. The interests of the ruling class. That is their property. That is their money. Therefore. If. We're doing these programs. Like the Black Panther Party did. And. You know, you need resources to help people. And we don't necessarily want to feed the capitalist machine all the time if we don't have to. When it comes to getting stuff for ourselves. If there are other means to get things, then hell yeah, we need to take them. Why am I giving this corporation some money? If I can get this shit for free, I'm going to get it for free. But with doing that, you also have to know that you will be... You know, fighting the public opinion. Ooh, they're stealing. They're looting. They're this. They're that. And that's why we have to take control of the narrative. And don't even don't even um, acknowledge that. Who cares? We're helping people. I'm not even going to address that question. Let's address what's being done. And and the people themselves will see that this is all for them this isn't about us this isn't about it's fuck the corporations like that's just a means to an end but yeah that is something that you will have to deal with because even if working class people a lot of people they're still we've all been brainwashed there's no turning around there's no there's no um avoiding it like even like when the protests and stuff start or whenever there's any riots or anything like that and there's looting, that's when everybody starts bringing on their respectability politics, saying how they're embarrassed, saying how this is bad, saying how this is that. Because it's something we've been trained to think property is more important than people. Yeah, this person died. Yeah, there's no justice for this person. But ooh, ooh, maybe you shouldn't have broke into that building. Well, goddamn, is this stuff coming back? Can can more cereal be made? But yeah. Um, so yeah, he was talking about that part and then talking about, you know, <sighs> that it's going to be up to the most oppressed, pretty much. He says black people. I'll just say the most oppressed in general. To be the leaders of the 
the getting shit moving and getting shit popping and even the leaders of the the whole liberation movement in general i know a lot of people specifically white men feel like they're gonna be the leaders of this revolution or whatever but that that's not going to happen because they're not doing nothing now they have the power they have the resources they're not doing nothing because they 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 have too much to lose in this they have too much power to lose it's up to the ones who have their foot who have foots on their neck to be the ones to lift the people off of their neck and galvanize everybody up and do it and it's unfortunate that it has to be the ones with the least amount of resources the least amount of power the least amount of privilege already not in the best predicament they have to be the ones to lead shit but unfortunately that's just the way that it is and um i mean we talked about that ourselves like these white men will not be leading no movement like (laughs) anybody thinking that you're delusional no no because you don't know nothing i'm sorry you can read about it but you will never know the experiences of being in this position like yes you may be gay or whatever but you're still a man and even for cishet people like that they only go so, so far like even with black people gender non-conforming people trans people will be the leaders of the liberation i know people don't want to think about that and nothing like that it will not be you cishet person it won't and i feel like if you're really about liberation, you should be okay with that. You should respect that. And you should know that there's certain things that are out of your league. You shouldn't even be standing up. You sh- your mouth shouldn't even be cracking open to talk. You should be sitting back and letting people who gone through this stuff, who live it every day, be some of the vo- be the, the main voices when it comes to voicing concerns and helping strategize on what to do to address these issues that they deal with in their daily life like that ego has to go out the window like that's what i'm saying like the way that we view uh revolutionaries the way we view organizations has to shift all this leader-based centralized hierarchical shit is not going to benefit us at all back to the reading Consciousness grows in spirals. Growth implies feeding and being fed. We feed consciousness by feeding people, addressing ourselves to their needs, the basic and social needs, working, organizing toward a united national left. All the people have created something that they are willing to defend, a wealth of new ideals, and an autonomous subsistence infrastructure. Then they are ready to be brought into open conflict with the ruling class and its supporters. This conflict must extend to every level of capitalist production and distribution. Consciousness of our power will grow as a result of this mass contact with the ruling forces. There is no question that people must be organized and educated to the benefits of people's government before they can successfully move against their class enemy. However, there seems to be some question as to how seriously we should take ourselves in our work of organizing. When we meet resistance, resistance should we acquiesce, withdraw, wait it out, or intensify? Should we meet violent reaction with a more determined violence? The type that put 80 tanks to flight in Laos? 
In other words, if fascists don't like what we're doing and attack us through a lynch mob, the police forces and judicial branch of their government, should we relent or should we accept or should we accept their violent reaction as a natural response to our challenge and organize against it? Every step, every stage towards a unified black commune will meet great resistance. This resistance will come in some form of violence. It is clear that if we don't learn to overcome our resistance, no forward movement will be made. Discovering ways of meeting and overcoming resistance, demonstrating to ourselves that we can, is a fundamental antecedent to a growth of revolutionary consciousness because we'll be under attack every step of the way. 100 years ago, it would have been the same. 100 years from today, it will be the same. We'll take our mule and 40 acres now. Collectivize them, defend them, invite other revolutionary people to follow our example, make allies, then leap to destroy the fascist pseudo-mass culture from within. As the people move into more significant areas of anti-establishment projects, they will be hurled violently into the contact with the defenders of the present state of property relations at the level of production, distribution, and property rights in general. Then we will discover that their power and their new fighting style actually depend on their greater potential for violence. The size and complexity of a thing are not an index of its strength. This struck me forcefully one evening as I flipped through one of the nation's news weeklies and spotted a photograph of a huge self-propelled 155mm cannon lying on its side, its barrel spiked forever. A man on foot, armed with a, with a rock rocket that weighed less than 40 pounds had destroyed it okay um we're gonna end it there that is page 83 um so yes um definitely back to the other point uh towards the end when he talked about you know discovering ways of meeting and overcoming resistance demonstrating to ourselves that we can is a fundamental antecedent to the growing of revolutionary consciousness because yes like dude said that was the 1960s 1970s 2023 same shit this stuff is not gonna change so the only thing that can change is us and the way we view ourselves and the way we view our abilities and what we do with said abilities we can't wait on a sign. The signs have been here. The signs were here when we got off the damn boat. It is up to us to change our reality. To shift our reality. It's only going to come from us, the people. Of all creeds, all colors, all races, all nationalities under the common goal of liberating everybody creating a non-hierarchical society free of white supremacy homophobia transphobia classism ableism all that shit um so yes and again like you said these things can be done and yeah they're just re reinstating what he's already said the biggest things can be taken down with people that are that are determined and organized and actually have a plan on what they're trying to do. So, yes, let this encourage you. Um, you know, I'm 
I am in love with this book. It it definitely it gets me pumping and, and it definitely has gotten me to you know, think differently about things and think differently about, you know, what is it that we need to be doing now to get to there? Because it can seem like sometimes it's like we're just doing things to meet needs of right now, which is important and that, you know, that is the oppressing need. But we have to also keep in mind where we're trying to go. And so what steps do, do we take now to get us there? Um, but yes, uh, let me know what you guys thought about, you know, part 10. Um, you can hit us up on social media at Building Our PWR, not Building Our Power, Building Our PWR on our social medias. And hit us up in the description um, uh, to get in contact with us. So, yep, this has been Gabby. And this has been Building Our Power.